being able to break that down for people and come up with a plan where we can help them buy a house every single year, depending on their liquidity, depending on how much the asset produces, was basically what I loved about this space. It, it, it's really what got me up in the morning to understand how to invest, to understand how to achieve financial freedom. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Hey, this is my second take. I had to turn this off and back on. Uh, host of Real Estate Rockstars today, I get to interview Johnny Hong. Johnny's out in San Jose, out in the Bay Area, and he is on a team of a guy that you guys will recognize. I've had him on the podcast quite a bit. He's on the David Green team. He is wearing the shirt, KW, out of the Bay Area. Johnny, how's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. Thanks for having me. How long have you been in real estate? So in resale, I've only been in this space for about a year and a half. But in real estate in general, about four years. Um, I started in 2017 working as a community representative for a builder, Shea Homes. Really enjoyed that because it allowed me to um, create a base of what um, real estate was and an understanding of how to flip a house. Just because during the time I worked there, we had uh, four stages of walkthroughs that we had to do with clients. It would be the foundation walk, uh, frame walk, plumbing, and electrical. And in that time, I learned how um, real estate worked. I learned how it, what it took to build a house from ground up, how to work with the city. And then fast forward into 2018, I found the, the Bigger Pockets podcast, David Green, the man himself, um, st started flipping soon after that and buying rental properties because I got the real estate bug. And then in 2020, mid 2020, I started working for David and really jumping into the resale space. And we did... Um, 67 million in gross volume in sales in 2021. And that pretty much what, what leads me to here. Yeah. What Shea project were you at as a community manager? Uh, so I worked at the, uh, the dunes. I also worked at waterline. Um, I wasn't the manager. I was just a community representative. Where, where's the dunes? Um, it's in Molina, Molina, California next to Monterey. Yeah. The, um, I really like the way that Shea does their, does their setups. When I was fresh out of college, uh -huh. the construction management, Shea was doing a huge project out in Napomo. And it was the, uh, is the height of the housing boom. But what, what was unique there is Napomo was a restricted community where they could only build so many houses a year and they had 1500 lots or something. It's either a thousand houses or 1500 houses, but it was going to be a 25 year build out. Something is some some big number because of the amount of homes they were allowed to build every year in Napomo, which was really a unique way of looking at real estate because it's very cool projects and um, and the way that they built and the way that they talked about kind of the teams and a few of the guys I went to school with ended up going to work there and still work there as construction managers over there. But it was the coolest thing about what I saw with, with there is it didn't matter like the boom and the bust, like we had the housing market go up, housing market go down, but because they were only allowed to build a certain amount of houses every year and they knew it was going to be like a 15 or 20 year project, they didn't have the same kind of ups and downs with hiring and, and everything else. So the, so what did you learn? So, so starting as a, another guy that I, that, uh, 
whose podcast would have just published right before this one. He started his real estate career by, he actually went to a builder and said, Hey, I want to list your houses. They said, Oh, we use this real estate agent office. So then he went to that office and said, um, I want to work for you because I want to sell the, that builder's houses. Yeah. So a little different setup when a builder has community representatives come out. What did you learn about the real estate process when you were out there? The real estate construction, any of it? Yeah, no, definitely. I think the main um, two takeaways, the first one being is customer service. Because when they first started in 1881, um, I think soon after that, they hired Stephen Covey. Um, who wrote the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, to basically come up with a system and a uh, core value for Shea. So our whole premise in terms of customer service was derived from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that allowed me to communicate with people a lot better. Uh, in addition to that, the other side of it on a more construction standpoint um, was just being able to be a part of all these walkthroughs with the clients, like when the foundations were being poured, when the frames were going up, when electrical was coming in, when plumbing was coming in, meeting with these inspectors to understand what it takes to build the houses ground up, then taking all that information and having to convey that to clients, it, it really made me understand the depth of what real estate is really about. And uh, that's what allowed me to be very comfortable in flipping a house. So outside of the customer service and the sales aspect of it, on a personal level of growth, what I understood was just what it takes to build a house and what we need to uh, modify houses so I can then use that in my investment journey. And then, of course, also resell. Yeah, the difference between good houses and bad houses, the uh, good construction, bad construction. So fast forward to today, the what did you do for volume last year in real estate out in San Jose? So we did 67 million. Um, that's just my team alone. So David here in California is separated into uh, four different sales teams. I mainly take care of the Bay Area. And uh, our team itself did about 200 million. So out of that 200 million, I did 67. Um, and the main, I would say the main driving factor was working with um, clients that were on the buy side, looking to get some momentum in building their portfolios. So that, that was the main uh, bread and butter for us. Yeah. So they were, it's mostly invest. What's the average sales price there? Um, right around 1.2, 1 million. And um, yeah, it was mainly with investors. And when I transitioned over from the community representative to um, David, it was just really eye opening. And I loved it because it was my wheelhouse. Because the, the average client that would come to us would be people that have, let's say, 600K in liquidity. They'd rather uh, park it into real estate opposed to put it in the stock market or worse in the bank where inflation just eats up their money. And in this market, if you find a fourplex that's a million dollars, what uh, let's say you're doing 25% down, so about 250 uh, k for the down payment, plus closing costs are going to be about 20 k then 30 k for rehab, they're basically all in for 300 k And then from that point, we'll look for that fourplex that's let's say two bedroom one bath each unit so each of those two bedroom one baths will rent out for about 2500 a piece and the gross revenue off those four units are 10k total and if they wanted a more passive approach to it then of course we'd get a property manager which charges about 10 percent we'll set aside another 10 percent for capex and reserves so out of that 10k the clients would see uh they, they would get about 8k in revenue and off of the million dollar investment loan, their monthly payment would be right around that 5K mark. So 8K minus 5K. And that's them about 3K a month, which off their 300 is about 10% return. So 
being able to break that down for people and come up with a plan where we can help them buy a house every single year, depending on their liquidity, depending on how much the asset produces, was basically what I loved about this space. It, it, it's really what got me up in the morning to understand how to invest, to understand how to achieve financial freedom. And yeah, that's I think that's just the main like way we got so many um we help so many investors because these investors buy multiple houses with us a year like four or five houses just moving equity and is it mostly is it mostly houses that investors are buying is it is it fourplexes is it yeah so it's mostly fourplexes and um, bigger commercial buildings but it it doesn't mean that we don't help uh, regular first-time homeowners that are looking to reduce their living expenses and doing like five percent conventional loans as well um, we have a different strategy for those type of people where we can help them offset their cost um, that they're currently paying in rent and park that money into real estate and start owning houses. Um, so, yeah, we have different avenues for those people as well. But the bread and butter for us is helping people with so much liquidity and helping people um, get a better return on their equity. Because There's so many people in the Bay Area that are just sitting on equity, like, hundreds of thousands they don't really know what to do with it so another another um, method that we use is um through through uh, david's lending company we assess okay how much equity do you have in your home let's see what it will cost us to do a cash out refinance and out of that amount of liquidity let's see how much we can um, buy to build your portfolio to allow you to cash flow and hit your financial freedom number Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I want to sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for $220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. Got it. So there's a lot to unpack there. And so if a lot of our listeners are trying to find leads or creative ways to get an investor to invest in something else, so you're saying you guys reach out, like you reach out to a, a previous client or you get a lead and you're, and somebody says, Hey, I own a house and I want to buy an investment. And so the first step you're saying is, all right, how much equity do you have in your house? Let's go, let's get a refinance now so you can get money out of your house. And now you can take that investment, that cash from your house to go now buy another investment. So before they even like, before you even get to help them buy a house, you're helping them refine, you're telling them, Hey, go refinance the one you have. You're, you're kind of being that strategic advisor, refinance the house you have, take that cash, and now I can help you go buy an investment. Did I get that right? Yep, you got that right. 
Um, for the people that don't come with us, uh, come to us with already having a lot of liquidity, yeah, that's completely right. We would figure out how much they have, uh, if it makes sense for them to do a cash out refinance, or if it makes more sense for them to, you know, just sell the house and move on to a different one. Yeah, I think the um, so what's so where are you guys getting your leads? So like, so how are people finding you? And now David is on Bigger Pockets on the podcast. Are people reaching out to you from that? I know before, like up in Roseville with the with Kyle, um, you guys were doing like investor meetups. So how are you getting investors to reach out to you? And how can our listeners do that? Yeah, I mean that's just the same method that we've used is the the meetups. Um, having David show up at those and really just uh expanding our knowledge by helping other helping other people that's the main source of leads that we've been getting um and that comes from bigger pockets it comes from my network from the builders and the houses i've sold there but i would say the bulk of it comes from david uh whenever we have these meetups a lot of people show up and when we when we express these type of ideas to our clients and really just simplify because it's really simple to be completely honest to invest um it just make people just want to invest. People just want to understand um, how can how can we create a map for them to start investing. And the title of the meetup is really how to invest in real estate, right? Like the or, or what is, is there a, is there a headline title to it? Yeah, there's a couple of different ones. So we've done house hack ones, which we've done uh, ones where we primarily focus for um, the lending team, or we've done others where it's just mainly focused on investing. But I think for most people and the most traction we've gotten was from house hacking and just uh, doing those type of meetups where we introduce what it takes to buy a house for the first time and how we can um, help them get multiple properties by starting off with just one. But the house hacking ones definitely are. Very how do you announce those meetups? Like, how do you advertise for them? How do you get people to show up? David's Instagram, our Instagram as well. Uh, we do send it out to our past clients all of our friends and family. So very traditional, just uh, email and um, social media. Do you run any social media ads to try to boost it and get people to show up? We haven't really done that. Uh, I feel like David's platform is a big enough ad for us. I remember one time we had, um, David was going to Hawaii and we put, we put together this meetup with like three days notice. And we posted it on David's Instagram um, and 40 people showed up. And out of those 40 people, we were able to convert 10 of them. Um, so I think from David's platform, um, and just our, our, just our platform as well, just emailing people and Instagram, but for other people, I think they can do the same thing if they start up like a local, um, RIA group or a local real estate sales agent group and kind of, you know, put their heads together that way. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's the thing that our listeners can take away from, from that part of it, right? So the, there's a couple of things that Johnny has said so far. One is investors buy more than one. So once you get an investor in your pipeline, once you sell them one project, once you become like, kind of, and to do that, you have to be able to be great at spreadsheets. You have to be able to explain, like Johnny was able to rattle off the top of his head, like you can buy it for this much, this much is the rent, this is going to be your net. And so you're going to make $3,000 a month on your $300,000 down payment, right? Like he's able to do that. So anyone can do that, right? It takes practice, the, you know, being able to run some spreadsheets, looking at an investment deal like yourself, finding other people that are doing it. So if you're not a master of studying how to analyze investments yet, you just need to practice. You need to get on, you know, there, there's, there's several books like I've got books on that. You know, David's got books on that, but there's, there's free forums and spreadsheets and podcasts that talk about that. So become a, a master investor, figure out how to calculate how to do a house hack. 
Better yet, listen to some of our past podcasts. We've had Diego Corzo on here. We've had Jordan Moorhead on here. We've had, um, oh, I, I forget, he's a buddy of mine he's out of Colorado. We've had several people that do house hacking. Like, listen to their podcast, reach out to them, say, how do I calculate a house hack? Or reach out to Johnny here. How do I calculate a house hack? The, uh, so that's one strategy of investing. How do I do other you know, commercial type real estate investing? I went to one of David and Kyle's you know, meetups when they, when they came to town. And the highlight of that one was, you know, their format for, for that meetup that day was, was, Hey, these are deals right now. Like this is why Sacramento is a good deal. And at that time I was thinking, I don't think Sacramento has good deals. And I was skeptical. And they said, here are some active listings right now that are available that we could go make offers on. And here is a deal that we sold last month. And here, so breaking down that if you can invest this much, this is your return. And, and it was really crazy for me, who is a guy that has bought and sold a lot of houses in the Sacramento area. I had done a thousand houses by then as an investor. And I remember thinking there are no good deals right now. And during their meetup, they were able to show here's something that we could buy right now. It's on the market. And here's why it's a good deal. And I remember thinking, wow. So I think anybody can follow that format. One of the things that Johnny said there, I don't want people to say, well, if you've got a big Instagram, people show up. I can't really do that. 40 people showed up, but 10 people decided to become customers. They didn't decide to buy because David has a cool Instagram, right? They decided because Johnny and the team and everybody else after working with them, you know, converted them. So if you don't have a big Instagram at the beginning, you invite your friends and family, you invite your list, and then maybe push out some advertising, ask them to tell other people. If you pay to get 40 people to show up to a meetup and at that meetup, you can get 10 of the 40 to become customers because during that meetup you've shown them, that's great. So the is there any key to somebody showing up of how to convert, if somebody goes and starts their own meetup, how to convert people that show up at a meetup to customers? you have any kind of advice you would give on that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, when people ask me about that question, I always just tell them to ask the audience um, what their goals are. So I would say for a meetup specifically, um, you would want to market it in a way that captures like all the house hackers and the captures that these type of investors. So just asking them the question of what they're trying to do and figuring out a plan to map it out for them. Um, and with our meetup structures, what we like to do is have a presentation, of course, and have a presentation that represents our market well. So for if we're looking into like the San Jose market and our audience is mainly house hackers, we're definitely going to show them some live market data and some live listings to get them to understand that it can work in this market. It can work in this market now. So a little homework I would do before that is really just look at the deals in my local market, run the numbers and see what type of path we can take with this deal to provide value to the consumer whether that's going to be a rental property, whether that's going to be the average person that pays $2,500 in rent. And if they bought this house, they would pay 1000 in rent. So I think understanding the inventory and the product and being able to figure out how you can um, convey that value to the consumer is going to be very important. So um, two key takeaways I would say is understanding the market and the inventory and what you can convey to the consumer about that. Any frequently asked questions that the consumer shows up? Like what, when they raise their hand, like you do your presentation on house hacking, what's the first question that usually gets asked or the second question usually gets asked? The, I think the first question is always, uh, where's the market going? Is the market going down? It seems like it's been up so much. Uh, has it been going down? 
And most people that ask that question, in my opinion, are the people that are renting um, and the people that have um, lower liquidity. So they're in their beginning stages. And our combat to that is, again, going back to asking more questions and understanding their situation. But an example of an answer that we commonly give to that question is, if we assume a million dollar purchase price with a 10% down, um, the client's paying 10K, or I'm sorry, 100K in the down payment funds. And if these people are thinking that the market's gonna tank 10% the following year, well, that same million dollar house is now gonna be worth 900. And assuming that 10% down, they're going to be paying 90k. So the delta between their the cash out layer, how much they're putting out of pocket, is going to be ten thousand dollars. And let's assume twenty five hundred dollars in rent for most of these people, because that's the average right here. That means that they're paying thirty k a year. So what David always tells us is, you don't want to step on dollars to save pennies. So in this scenario, you're going to wait next year, wait a whole year, potentially have the market go down ten percent um, to save yourself that extra ten k. Um, but in exchange, you would pay 30K to your landlord in rent. And we don't know if the market's going down or if we don't know if it's going up. But what if it does go up? What if it goes up 10% instead of going down 10%? So I think that's one of the questions that we get a lot. Where, where is the market headed? Um, is it going down? Is it going up? Um, and that's usually our, our answer to that, depending on um, where the, what the situation is. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. And I know, I know you guys would much rather listen to the content and not the ads and not the sponsors, but this is one that I'm actually super, super excited with. You know, so many of the realtors that we interview on the show, they talk about how much systems are important and how much follow-up is important. And I'm really, really excited about our new sponsor. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. You know, on an interview last week with agent Mark McGuire, I asked him what his favorite software and what his favorite system was and he said it was Follow Up Boss. And then he went on for another three or four minutes to talk about why Follow Up Boss was the best CRM he uses. So there's a lot of superstars out, out there that use follow-up boss. Some of the stats they gave me, Robert Slack, 1.5 billion team in Florida, number one in the US. He uses follow-up boss to get a 400% ROI on his massive paid lead spend. Deborah Beagle, co-owner of the Ashton Group in Nashville, uses follow-up boss to guarantee the agents who join her team get two homes under contract in the first 90 days. That's a big guarantee for new agents. Barry Jenkins of the, your friends in real estate uses Follow Up Boss to automate everything so his team can produce 200 million on 25 hour work weeks. All right, so here's an offer. You guys are gonna get this special for being Real Estate Rockstars listeners. Now I've, I've used Follow Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing, and what do, what do you know, best name ever, Follow Up. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com forward slash rockstars. So again, followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. All right, everybody, thanks again. Now back to our show. You know, interest rates will start to play a big part to the, uh, as we're recording this, the Fed just announced that they are not going to raise interest rates right now, but they believe they're going to raise them in March and we'll yeah. start 
see a lot of, you know, jumping around and people showing some concern and excitement. And yes, if your house goes down a hundred thousand dollars, but your rate went up half a point, yeah. same thing, yeah, same, exactly. same payment, same everything else. So the, uh, yeah. So people are coming in as investments. You're doing your, how long, if, if, if someone is coming to you and said, Hey, Johnny, we're going to do our first meetup. How long do you think those should be? The meetups, I would say hour and a half um, to two hours. Um, first 45 minutes or half of the meeting, um, should, uh, or I should say first 15 minutes should be some type of icebreaker, get everyone acquainted, um, get everyone interactive. So the, the energy comes up and then 30 minutes to 45 minutes of a presentation answering Q, um, Q and A's as well. And then towards the end of it, kind of like a recap and another opportunity for people to talk to each other again. Um, so that's the structure that we've been doing and that's the structure I think works best. Um, and the key thing I would say is just the, the interactiveness. So people are just not just like sitting there and just, you know, listening to us talk. It, it's more interactive, more of like a group thing. Yeah. The, so how, so you're doing a lot of volume right now. The, what is something you wish you would have known when you first got going in real estate? Um, I would say slow down. Um, that slowed down on a more macro perspective. But one thing I wish I would have known is building a team isn't as easy as it, as it seems. And building a team, uh, people aren't going to do the same things that you do, and they're just not going to have the same perspective as you. Um, so I would say slow down and building a team is going to take a lot longer than just a year. Um, so that's one thing I wish I would have known. So scaling a little slower and, um, just being a little more patient. Yeah. And what do you, what do you, what are your goals for this next year? So this year, um, I'm trying to hit hundred million. Um, so just about 25 million more than my last year's goal. Um, although I, I came short about 8 million, um, which is unfortunate, but yeah, we're, we're trying to hit hundred million. Um, and last year, actually, David wanted me to try to hit 150 million. Um, I wanted to do 75, but David thought we can double it with the amount of people that we had on my team. And looking back in hindsight, I'm really glad he did that because although it made me very stressed and nervous throughout like Q1 and Q2, because I, I was always behind on my numbers, but he had to remind me, you're still a lot more ahead than most other agents. Um, but having that 150 million in the back of my mind put me in a position where I, I had to figure out how I can get there. So if 150 million a year, that means I have to do 12 million a month, 3 million a week. So if I have, let's say 12 showing agents, which I did at the time, um, I just really need 30% of them to get me one deal a month at month at an average, or, I'm sorry, one deal a week at an average purchase price of a million. And I can get to 150 million. Because I was I was doing five or six deals a month, so I figured if they can just do one a week out of those twelve people, um, if three of them can do one a week, we're, we're golden. But I figured out very soon um, that training people while you have a lot of volume is is very challenging, and people are just um, they they understand differently and communicate differently. So to answer your question, that was kind of long winded. Uh, Hundred million is what what I'm going for this year. Yeah. The, and then, so, and how many people are on your team? Uh, right now I have five just on my team by itself, but in terms of the Bay area, David green team, there's about 16 of us on um, right. SoCal. We have a team as well. What's your big way to, so if somebody, 
So I'm sure there's some listeners that are in your area and there's, I'd love to be able to do this a little bit more. Like I want to be able to, you know, work with investors. I want to be able to learn that. And maybe they think about trying to reach out to you guys to join your team. What's, why would they join your, what do you guys do for team members? Yeah. I had, I've had a lot of people I've interviewed lately too, of like, what does that process work like? Some, some train, some teams do training, some teams do leads. What's it like to be on your team and how are you growing that team? Yeah, definitely. So I think the key thing that we offer, which is a lot different than other sales teams, um, is exposure. So we have a pretty high amount of transactions that we do every month. So being able to be around a top producer that does, let's say, 10 deals a month, opposed to, to someone that does 10 deals a year. So going through the escrows of those 10 deals a month, I think most people will learn so much more than they would from a producer that um, isn't doing that much volume. And the main thing for people that are looking to join as an agent, we David created this role um, that's called a showing agent. And basically they're, they're assigned to a top producer and they help the top producer with the day-to-day tasks like scheduling showings, uh, talking to a listing agent to find out more information about purchase price and things like that. So they, they basically are interning um, for us through all the exposure of our transactions and they just get real day-to-day experience. Yeah. And what's the, are you guys, are you expanding? Are you investing personally in anything? Yeah. Yeah. I am. The, are you buying in the Bay area or you're buying other areas? So I have some in the Bay area. Um, Sacramento is one of them uh, or Dixon, which is pretty close to Sacramento yeah. uh, and then out of state as well. So, but mainly I'm actually selling most of my out of state properties right now to um, become more liquid so I can buy more here. And David's actually doing the same thing. So you're bullish on the Bay. You're going to try to transfer out of other places, go bigger in the Bay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've only been investing for about four years and although out of state, it's been killer for me. I've been doing some pretty good returns there, but I realized that the properties that produced me the most amount of money were the San Jose ones. Um, and just the Bay area in general, because for me, buying these $200,000 houses out of state and making five or 600 bucks is great. But then having six to 7% appreciation on that 200 K purchase price versus having 6%, 8% on a million, 1.2. I just see the wealth grows a lot faster that way. Definitely not saying out of state's wrong. Definitely not saying lower purchase prices is wrong, but from what I see, uh, from David and how he builds his wealth, he typically likes to buy in like the higher appreciating markets and just uh, kind of waiting a little bit for it to really appreciate. You know, the David and I and a bunch of guys. I remember this meetup we went to with this. Uh, we met up with this guy in uh, in San Francisco. We, we got to go out on this yacht one night, and uh, and he told us about how he built his real estate empire and his real estate wealth. And he was a really interesting guy because he was just a doctor. And he made it sound so easy. And, I, and at the time, all of us are like working really aggressively, buying a bunch of houses and flipping a bunch of houses and doing investments and running these businesses. And he's, you know, and, and he had a couple hundred million dollars worth of real estate. And we were like, wow, tell us about this. He's like, well, I was a doctor. And so I read one real estate book and his real estate book was location, location, location. And so he'd find a cool property and it was a good location and he would buy it and he would rent it out, but he'd get these loans on it because he was a doctor, but he said every month they would lose money. Mm-hmm. They'd have negative cash flow. And he, but he's like, but I was a doctor. So I would just pay into them and I'd pay into them again. And five years later, this thing would be worth 
just a ton more money. And he was, and, uh, he was really the first investor that I talked to and met where he was like, no, I get negative cash flow. I get really bad cash flow on these investments, but the equity changes is huge. And so he's like, so, I, so he was very bullish on the Bay Area because he said, no, I, n- I never make money cash flow on my investments, but over time I get these huge gains. And when I sell them, I do these 1031 exchanges. And he said, so I'm going from a, a million dollar property to then a few years later, it's a $2 million property and I sell it with a 1031 exchange. And so now I'm buying a $2 million property. And every year he's just kind of paying the difference. And yes, so he said, if you took, so if, so I have a, a, an investment in Texas. So if I take that investment and I say, oh, it makes 8% a year on my money, plus it goes up $20,000 a year in value. You're saying, well, you in the Bay area, or it's about the amount of work or effort. You're like, hey, you're able to buy one property for a million same level of appreciation as an out-of-state property, but because the dollar volume is so high, you could buy one $1 million fourplex compared to... So some people may say, I would rather buy you know, 10 $100,000 fourplexes because now I own 10 properties and, that, and more doors. You're like, no, I'd rather own one fourplex for a million dollars and pay more per door, but it's easier to manage. So it's definitely a different strategy, very cool, and probably... You know, for listeners, that's just another idea, right? Another thing to talk about to your investors as they're asking you, you know, should I buy this really, really big property or a bunch of these small ones? And there's pros and cons to all of that. But what Johnny's sharing about why the Bay Area, why he's bullish, which I'm just, I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm surprised as I look at that because it's a different strategy than mine right now, but he's also right. No, he'd rather have, if he's going to buy, if he only has enough bandwidth to do one fourplex, or if he only has enough bandwidth for 10 fourplexes, he'd rather they be as big as possible. Because if he's going to see appreciation and that's how he's going to build his wealth, then, then why not? So yeah, anything else to add on that? Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, I was a big cash flow guy, big multifamily guy. And I was someone that bought single family homes and split them up into four different units and just really try to maximize his space. But when, when I started getting to a lot of doors, at one point I had 20 doors and that's probably small numbers compared to you and David. Uh, but when I had 20 doors and the type of tenants I would get from these um, lower class neighborhoods, um, they weren't as good as the better neighborhoods and the higher appreciating markets. And it became a job to me. Uh, it became something that I had to manage a lot more. I had to talk to my PMs every other week about problems that were going on. And then um, a lot of my units were, were um, basically college rentals. So when COVID hit, and we had a lot of people moving back home. I, ha- I was hit with vacancies as well. So when I put things into perspective and saw, and did like cost analysis and saw that, okay, let's say I buy a, purchase, a property over here in the Bay Area for a million bucks, for example. And um, this property is going to cost me $1,000 a month to hold it after renting it out because I'll be at negative cash flow. But then if I can write off that 12K a year in a loss to offset my income tax, in addition to that, if if it's a 10% year by year appreciation, and I'm very confident in this market, then I'm making 100K in appreciation in exchange for 12K loss that I'm making in cash flow. The tenants are better, but then I can also write off that 12K loss against my taxable income. So when I put it in that perspective, I was like, oh, negative cash flow isn't bad. And and David is the one that kind of like put me into that mindset. Because I think when people start investing, um, it's always cash flow is king, which I agreed with for a long amount of a long time in my investment journey. But 
when you're able to convey this to your, your clients as well, and to just figure out their situation, figure out if they want to be a multifamily investor in a smaller market that has like a different build quality than California, figure out if they're okay paying a thousand bucks a month in negative cash flow um, and taking that, that risk and taking that bet that in the next three to five years, it's going to come back tenfold. So I think figuring out that piece of it to be able to convey to your clients is a, is a good takeaway from this little, little snippet of our conversation. Yeah. Well, very cool, Johnny. I think the, uh, you have got a, you've got a cool story. Like, so you're pretty early in your real estate career, beginning to use different experience from, from working in, in one location and starting investments. And now as an agent, the, you know, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to ask you how to learn, how to calculate some of those numbers that you were splitting off, if they want to learn more about joining your team in, in the Bay or just about anything else, real estate, how's the best way they can find you? Yeah. So Instagram, uh, my handle is Insta Johns, but the two A's, I-N-S-T-A-A, Johns. And then my TikTok handle is uh, Investing Johns, spelled exactly the way it's spelled. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much how they can get hold of me. Very cool, man. Well, the, well, this was a lot of fun. The, hopefully you have a great year. You hit that hundred million and you've made me start to question and think about investing a little bit differently today. And I always appreciate when I get to think about some of that stuff and get reminded of some of those old tactics out there uh, in this interesting time we're all living in as we all love real estate. So Johnny, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. All right, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, We've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.